This is Supernatural Breakthrough with Mike Signorelli every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, a new episode drops. So the unseen realm, ancient wisdom, and your freedom awaits in this episode. Let's jump right in. We're about to jump in to some of the most important questions that are being asked all around the world. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter who you married or where Mm -hmm. you got married. You're probably wondering, did I marry the wrong person? Did I screw it up? Because let me just tell you, marriage is hard. Marriage is hard if you're married to a pastor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Marriage is hard if you're married to um, a a genius level psychiatrist or psychologist. Marriage is hard if you're married to anyone. Marriage is hard if you're married to anybody. So don't think that you're getting out. Don't think that uh, somehow or another you're the exception. Sometimes people believe the lie that they're the exception. You know, like, oh, everybody else has a good marriage. Now, I want to tell everybody's secret first, and then we're going to answer some of the questions about, did I marry the wrong person? Yeah. But here's the secrets that we can tell live on air right now. We do marriage. Well, we used to do marriage counseling. Now we have a lot of uh, pastors on our team that we've raised up, and they do the counseling. And I want to tell you, almost every person's first year of marriage is the worst experience of their life. Most people. Now there are people. You had a good first year. Great. Yeah. (laughs) Like if you're like that wasn't we were in love, and but most people and they lie about it. Okay, mm-hmm. so you got to understand yeah. they lie about it, especially on like Instagram. Yes. The other thing you need to know about marriage you know. is that everybody argues. Yeah. Now, when they stop arguing. So like, let's just say you're like, oh, man, you know, we it is possible. Like right now, I would say our arguing is down to a minimum. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Because I mean, we still argue, but it's minimal. It's, it's funny. We about laugh driving, about it. Driving. Yeah. Like it's minimal. But that's after. <laughs> counseling other people's marriage for like a decade. And we finally figured out how not to argue. I'm going to be a passenger seat driver for the rest of my life. So we've just made peace with it. That's our thing. Yeah, we're going to give you guys some wisdom about how to do that. But I need you to know, number one, every couple argues, every couple fights, Mm -hmm. every couple gets on each other's nerves. Number two, almost everyone's first year of marriage is a horrible experience. Yeah. Number three... There is nobody that's exempt from struggling in marriage because seasons actually change. And so guess what? Being a good husband to her when we were in our early 20s is completely different than being a good husband to her now. Yeah, because your spouse changes. Your spouse changes. Like when you're like, you're not who I married. It's like, well, you married me at 18 and now I'm 48. Like I am (laughs) not the same human, you know? Don't we we look good for 48? (laughs) Yeah, we got married at 21 and now we're 38. So we are not the same people. We changed and our marriage had to change as we changed. Our responsibilities changed. So two decades later, you're Mm -hmm. married for like almost 20 years and you're like, we are not the same people. So we need a different marriage for a different person. Yeah. And different seasons. In different seasons. Mm -hmm. So I want to tackle the question right now that many people ask us all the time. And I'm going to I'm going to let Julie answer first Oh, because I don't think we agree on this. Okay. So we're about to fight right in front of you. The question I want to start with, and I want to see this in the comments as well, because I'd love to know what you guys think. Yeah. Does a soulmate exist? Okay. Let's try to give a biblical answer because Julie and I don't have our own opinion, our opinion scripture, but... 
Okay. You Let's go there. Yeah. Okay. I know for a fact we don't completely agree on this. And so, which is, you might be surprised that you think like his answer would be my answer, vice versa. I don't <laughs> think that there's one perfect person for everyone. As much as I want to think that I'm perfect, you know, for you, handmade by God, um, I think that does a couple of things. One is spouses die. And then somebody founds love again later in their life. I've seen that. Um, another thing is that if one person married the wrong person, then that would mean, and they married someone else, then everybody is like off by one degree, right? It's kind of like, yes. So I have a hard time digesting that now because you're probably referencing um, Old Testament when God told so-and-so to find this woman, right? You're probably thinking of those biblical stories. Me too. I do think there are times in history because of the genealogy of Jesus and how intentional that God is, that he did orchestrate some marriage. So do I believe that God never picks somebody for someone? No. I or I mean, yes, I do believe that God intentionally for certain reasons <laughs> will pick someone. But I have three people in my life tell me that God told them that they were going to marry me. No, they were <laughs> and doing I that only married one. They were trying, yeah, I got her. Now, I never said that God told me. No. That's hokey. That's weird. And kind of manipulative. Hey, girl, you know, God told me. I never, listen, There, that's weird. So I'm uh, just being honest. That's all. Yeah. My so interpretation. We agree and disagree. So let me, yeah. let me give my answer. Her answer was amazing, by the way. And I love to see what you think in the comments. But I believe there's good, better, best. I do believe that God does have a best for us. Why? Because he hand-selected Eve made Eve out of Adam. So the origin of relationship was God being super intentional. It was not random. But I also think that God can take a, a decision that we made and he can actually upgrade it because he honors covenant, he honors commitment, and he honors consistency. Covenant, commitment, consistency. And so maybe you did make a good choice, but it wasn't the best for your life. Right. I believe God could turn it into the best mm -hmm. because God will turn all things around. So here's the thing. I, I hear this story all the time. You guys are amening me in the comments. I just want to tell you, thank you. I love you. <laughs> They're like, I'm not going to Julie's church anymore. <laughs> Fine. Well, no, I mean, she does. It's like a yes and a no. We kind of meet in the middle. So. Okay. The long, let me put it like this. The longer I stay committed, covenanted, and consistent with Julie, mm -hmm. the more I feel that she's my soulmate. Yeah. And Lord knows that she'll die first, and then I'll probably be single. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's my I'm thing. Just, well, my point was going to yeah, say, all joking aside, is that I don't, I can't see it any other way. I can't, knowing our ministry, knowing our children, our family, our life, it yeah. feels like soulmate. Yeah, and I believe that some people do make decisions out of desperation. Some people make decisions out of sin. I've seen people who God has put them together and they chose to divorce and then they they, you know, make decisions and do other things. And my question would be, can God redeem? You know, and and I think that he can redeem um, you know, our marriage when we were going through our stuff. How honest can we get? 
Yeah, hey, How real get, you want it? Get honest because I'm trying to stir up a little controversy, <laughs> a little and everybody in the comments is fighting right now because they're like, yeah, "I got Julie's back." I'm Team Mike. I'm Team Julie. Yeah. Um, but no, all like, let's go there. Okay, let's so, let's get vulnerable. So in in the you know what we went through, we laugh about it, and the reason why we laugh about it, so nobody gets offended if you're walking through some of the things that we walk through right now. We laugh about it because we are not those same people. Mm-hmm. It's funny to think who we were throwing plates. It's funny to think that we would, you know, try to hurt one another, like really bad on purpose. It's hard to think that, you know, I'd be like phone stalking and like doing all that stuff. Like it's, it's funny to think about those things at this point. Um, so, so that's why we laugh. It's not that it's actually funny, but I, there were times when we were going through that stuff where I would think like, how is this God's will for my life? You know, when you're betrayed, when you're lied to, when you're done wrong, like, why, why would God, it was that God's purpose in my, for my life. And yeah. I just don't believe, I think those are decisions that people make in their flesh. You know, they make in their sin, they make in, in, you know, for trauma responses and all these like words we want to throw at it, bottom line sin. Right. And so then I have to decide, like, but can God redeem? So you may have thought, even though we kind of disagree a little bit, um, I believe that you can become someone's soulmate. So, like, there we had to become I was gonna each make other's that point. soulmate. She's stealing my notes. So, I mean, what I really wanted to do was divorce his butt and move on. Okay, if Which we're being she had real. Every right, and I had every right. Every right biblically 10 years yeah. ago. To do that. And I'm not saying everyone, especially if you're in a dangerous situation or, you know, every there's complex reasons and don't email me about it. Okay. Like I understand, (laughs) I get it. In my situation, what I wanted to do was turn the page and move on. Um, But there was something in me that I felt like, man, God, but, but I see our future. I see what you're trying to do. And isn't it like marriage is the metaphor for Jesus. Like Jesus is married to yeah. his church. And so we marry imperfect people. And even though I didn't feel like what was done to me was um, God's will, I felt like, can he turn it around though? Yeah. Can he redeem? Can I become the soul, the soulmate of his dreams? And can you choose to want to be that? And so I, I think we kind of agree and disagree. But the point is, is that you may have married Mr. Wrong, right? Or you might have married Mrs. Wrong, but can they become the right person? That's it. And so I believe in redemption wholeheartedly, like all in. I'm always going to try. And this is where we agree. This is where we agree. Well, first of all, I love the wisdom of um, our subscribers because the comments are blowing my mind. Somebody said, you can start off being imperfect for each other, but become perfect for each other. Yeah. Can I get an amen? Oh, yeah. I had no idea how to be Julie Owen's husband. That's her maiden name. That's her maiden name. (laughs) She had no idea how to be Mike Signorelli's wife. And we had to learn that. And this is why I say I love the books on marriage. We love five love languages and all these other books we've taught Mm -hmm. out of them. At the end of the day, your life is the book and the manual to marriage. And instead of trying to change the other person, you change how you serve them. And that's what we learned. And changing in every season. Like you might hit a health problem or a mental health issue or a financial season, and you got to change the way that 
they want to be served or they yeah. want to receive love. So for example, acts of service was never, not even like, I don't even know it, was it wasn't love on my language radar. for you. No, but it's define acts of service because okay, so, you're referencing the book. So yeah, some sorry. people feel more love by people doing things for when them. someone like does something for yeah. them. We're in a season of our life where it really means a lot if I hang up his clothes. Yeah. That could have meant like nothing in another season. But right now, that's very helpful for you. Yeah. So when I want to become the right person, the soulmate, because what the enemy will do is he'll take something small like that and be like, another girl, pick up your clothes, you know, or another yeah. guy would take you out to eat once a week or they'd hire the cleaning person or you know, they they wouldn't make you work a job or whatever. The enemy's a liar. He'll use anything. The thing that we fought about the most of in our marriage at the beginning was dishes. Now, we always say it's never about the dishes, right? Right. But the enemy would use something so tiny like that. And then he would begin to manipulate it and cause these like crazy divisions on it. So, and then would tell me that he's not the one for me. I should have married, the, you know, that other guy from church camp or something silly, <laughs> you know, like you think like that other guy wouldn't have done me like that. But, um, so the enemy will use anything to try to add division. So yeah, in another seat now in this season, I have to be sensitive to like, what does his soul need? What, what, what does he consider a soulmate right now in this era of, of your yeah. life and vice versa. Like my needs are different now that my kids can take themselves to the bathroom, you know? Yeah. So you know sandwich. what? Like marriage is two servants trying to outserve mm -hmm. each other. If you're taking notes, you could write that down in your notes. Marriage is two servants trying to outserve each other. When it becomes any less than what I just told you, that's when it comes out of balance. So when Julie was a new mother, mm -hmm. she needed me to serve her as a new mother which meant, you know, bring her Starbucks or whatever, you know, like back in the day, yeah. um, you know, so, you know, it was basically Different. me giving her what she needed in that season. Now her season has changed. Now it's me giving her money to get her nails done or her. And I'm in desperate need. Okay. It's fine. Yeah. Don't or scheduling <laughs> her hair appointment, you know, and it's like, go ahead, girl, you know, schedule that hair appointment. And that's what she needs, you know? And so I'm trying to outserve her. She's trying to outserve me. But I do want to talk, and I want to go deeper because you guys are a part of this family online because you love depth and you love that we go there. You know, Julie got sick, and it was it was about three years ago, mm -hmm. and that sickness caused caused her to be bedridden. Now, pretty much, yeah. And now rewind before that, she was running many triathlons. Matter of fact, she was one of those people that worked out so much it would like make me sick. I'd be like, girl, yeah. I, I I don't ever want to run unless like a bear's chasing me or like something. Like the weekend before I got ill, I ran 17 miles. She In ran 17 thing. miles the I weekend can't even before right now, she got sick. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's what I was used to. I was used to that that wife, you know, the one that was like running, working out, doing stuff around the house, whatever. And we go to um Ukraine to do ministry which pray for Ukraine, by the way, with everything yes. that, that's happening there now. And she gets uh, vir two viruses, comes back bedridden. And so now I'm in a season, and this is going to help somebody because I know you guys because we spend so much time together every week online. I was in a season where my wife could do nothing for me. So if my definition of marriage is two servants in love trying to outserve each other, and now all she's doing is 
She's bedridden. She can't serve me. What do I do? And I say that because many of you, you're married to a guy who's not godly and he's not doing anything for you. He's not helping you. Many of you are married to a woman that you feel like stop meeting your physical needs and there's no more romance, whatever. And so I want to help you understand that there are going to be seasons where that definition of two servants trying to outserve each other becomes, I am going to honor the commitment and the covenant and be consistent, even if it doesn't benefit me at all, because that's what marriage is. And there was like a three-year uh, three-year journey, and I and I'm, I'm being really vulnerable. This is the first time I ever shared this anywhere, where I felt so lonely. I didn't have a companion. I love this. I love traveling. I love um, getting on the subway here in New York City and going to destinations and stuff. And I remember deciding I have to die to self. I can't cheat because this is where a lot of men would have cheated. And I can't cheat. I can't because, uh, and we said this in the last video, but it's like I had to become mature now in my love for Julie. And I had to say, okay, what if she never gets out of the bed? What if she could never go on trips with me again? What if it's just not there because she was constantly in pain? So it was like pain, pain, pain. And for me, if you know anything about me, I can't stand when people are sick. I'm a faith-filled person. I'm busy. I love being busy. I'm driven. I have, I'm, you know, and so when we went through that season, I'm being very vulnerable. I think a lot of guys would have said, I'm not getting my needs met. So I'm going to meet my needs somewhere else. And I had to become mature. I felt that temptation. I felt that those thoughts came into my head. And I remember coming home day after day and looking at Julie in the bed, looking at her, I mean, big bags, like double and triple bags under her eyes, green, her skin. I mean, it was like she was very sick. And I remember being like, and it's funny because at first you feel sorry for them, but then you start falling, feeling sorry for yourself. And that's what happens. You love your spouse. And some of you, I'm speaking right to it. I see all the comments with the crying emoji. Cause I, I feel like caregiver. if you're, yeah, that caregiver trauma where you're like, man, I am sick and tired of carrying my husband. I'm sick and tired of, um, you know, I'm sick and tired of carrying my wife. I'm, I'm sick. And so some of you may be in that season right now. So let me hear from your perspective, because from my perspective, it was this marriage is a covenant. Marriage is something that God honors because yeah. it's his picture of Jesus in the church. So I'm going to stay covenanted, yeah. even though I'm tired. I had to mature in my love. But what was it like for you? Yeah, I think we, we met in different seasons. So like you felt that. that in um, you felt that in one season, but I felt that in another. Like when you were That's struggling it. with anger, addiction, you know, um, just all of your stuff. Like it, I felt that way about him. You know, it came to a point where I'm like, I'm not enabling this. Like it's on you. Like yes. I don't care what happens to you. You know, and I had to learn like how to let go. Um, and for me now. I know that we all come from different uh, backgrounds, walks of life, relationship status. I want to tell you that if you have divorced in one season and remarried in another and God is blessing you and you're having a godly marriage and you're working on things like I want you to know that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about for me, my situation. Yeah. This is what I did was I went to God's word. And I was like, what are the biblical grounds that I, for divorce, you know? And so I went to those and there's two 
it's adultery if your spouse has been unfaithful. And the other one is if you've been abandoned by an unbeliever. Those are those are the two grounds. And I looked at... So you can slow down a little bit. Okay. So if you've been abandoned by an unbeliever. Yeah. Okay, explain yeah, that. Okay. Oh, man, don't ask me. Because most, most of the people... Well, most of the people watching, I feel yeah. they struggle with my spouse is not a believer. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd be mean, like if they've left you or they've, you know, went on to pursue another life or whatever. And honestly, I... So they're not participating in the marriage own. at all. Y- they've right. le- They literally... They, they're not they a believer. Left. They abandon you. How I There's, read it is it like that they left. So, yeah. I mean, you know, do your own research. Read the Bible. That's yep. the most important thing. Um, and so the uh, so I looked at that and I looked at God's heart and I was like, man, this is supposed to be like a last resort. Like there's still so much biblical like stories like Hosea, all these things where God redeems, you yeah. know? And so I'm like. God, could you do that in my life at that time? Yeah. And I found a book called Power of a Praying Wife by Stormy Omarsha. Omarshan. Oh, words are hard. It's Monday. Um, So check that out. Power of a Praying Wife. They also have Power of a Praying Husband, if you're a man on here and you're looking in that. And I started to believe that my situation can be redeemed. My situation. And I wanted to see, like, if I can do all that I can do, then what can God can, what yeah. can God do in my situation? And I started to fight my battle in prayer. And so, sure enough, when I started praying prayers that were biblical for my for my marriage, I started to see God intervene and change our entire situation. Didn't happen overnight. It did not happen in one prayer. It probably, it didn't even happen over one year. It was years Years. of watching God move and pray and taking two steps forward, 10 steps backwards, you know, one huge step forward and then, you know, 20 steps backwards. I mean, it was up and down. We had real crazy issues. Um, And some people in my situation, they, they did that and, you know, their spouse, they didn't choose restoration and we did. And there came a point where, you know, I was working on it and then God changed your heart and then you wanted to work on it. And so then we started to move forward. And you know, I want to add to this. Marriage is like a bank account where you make deposits and withdraws. So the problem becomes people only want to make a withdraw. Mm -hmm. And the same reason why you're broke financially is why you're broke relationally. Because it's like, I want love. I want hugs. I want kisses. I want sex. I want them to pray for me. I want them to prophesy for me. I want vacations. I want a house. And you're just taking, 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 taking. But marriage is like a bank account that you have to continually deposit in. And so a lot of us, it's the same way. We go and, you know, cheating on your spouse, it's like getting a credit card. It's spending money you don't have. And see, what happens is people are just taking, 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 taking. And so for me, my finances and my marriage was all the same. My finances were were wrecked. My relationship was wrecked with Julie. Then I was getting my needs met by other women, which literally if I would have died, I was going to go to hell. Like I was yeah. I was going to go to hell. And yeah. what I learned is that we need to make some some deposits. And I will say this, um you know, we went to marriage counseling once a week for like a year and a half straight. And that was like me making yeah deposits over and over and over and over again. That was Julie making deposits. And now we're at a place where it's the law of compounding interest. And I don't want to go too deep and lose you guys, 
but uh, over 90% of millionaires are first-generation millionaires financially, which means that they didn't inherit the money. They started with little, and they became ruler over much, which is a biblical principle. They started with a little bit of money, and they kept saving and multiplying it, and it became a lot. So Julie and I now, all these years in, 10 years later, 13 years later, after the story we told you, our bank account has grown so much that we're now in a surplus and we barely argue and you know things are much better, but we've learned along the way. So it's like what happens is everybody wants your bank account, but they don't want the discipline of saving. Everybody wants your marriage, but they don't want the discipline of maturity of love that says, I'm going to serve even when it doesn't serve me. And I'm just going, I'm trying to help you guys understand, like, Julie, like, I'll put it like this. Here's the question. Every time Julie prayed, she was depositing into our marriage bank account. So here's the question. How many prayers did it take till breakthrough? Every single (laughs) time, every single time, every time. So it's like, for some of you guys, please do not give up too soon. Do not give up too soon because I believe that your husband can be a man of God. I was not this fire, I'll put it like this. I was not a fire breathing preacher. I was a fire breathing dragon and I was dangerous and Mm -hmm. I was bad and I was sinful. So you guys met me, you know, preaching the streets of New York City and doing mass deliverances. You know, I wasn't always that dude, but Julie prophesied me into that person. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you could take one message from this today, if you're asking the question, did I marry the wrong person and you're still married, my, like, and it's safe. You know, I don't, I'm not encouraging you to stay in situations that, you know, are not safe. We went through a period where we were separated for almost a year, you know, nine months. It was a long time. And, um, because I we, we did need to be in a situation where we were safe from each other for a season. But in that in that time, we were still work or I at least at that time was still working on my heart was like, Lord, I know that you can reconcile this. And it's so funny because when I got to that place where I was like, okay, that's it. Like I'm I don't know that he's ever gonna work on this, so I have to make a decision. I literally had a card for a divorce lawyer because at this point I'm like he doesn't want to work on it. And it was that day that he sent me a text message that said, hey, I'm I'm ready to work on this. And we started marriage counseling the next week. So it may not be on your timetable. Um, but if if you have a vision for reconciliation, and I did, because I knew that was God's heart. And I know that you want to argue everybody's, you know, everyone thinks that their situation is different. Mine was bad, guys. It was not good. Um, And it wasn't good overnight. And it was like three years of us trying to like get it together, you know? And um, we definitely had steps backwards. We definitely, there was, I probably had more rights to leave later than I did even initially, but God did turn it around. And so I want to encourage you, like a lot of times you hear those stories. Well, I, you know, got divorced and my life got better, but I want to, encourage you like what if you stay together and that life gets better I'm just throwing it out there you know I know that's not the case for everybody but I have to believe that if Jesus uses marriage for the metaphor for him and his church then how important is marriage to God it's got to be important yeah and so I don't want to dilute that by by you know if I can 
if I can do every, my thing to me was I want to be able to tell my kids I've done everything that I could. You know, I've done everything that I could. That's what I wanted to say to my kids. And again, I'm sharing my story. So I don't want to be attacked for what God, like this is my testimony and this is what God brought me through. And I'm praying that that's, you know, your testimony too. Maybe borrow my testimony as a prophecy over your life, maybe. But um, God turned my marriage around. And I just want to share something. I, I wrote a note in my phone. I shared this with some of our pastors the other day in 2019. And I had a, it was just writing down the things I was believing God for in 2020. So it was before 2020. And one of the things I wrote down was I believed that every marriage in V1 Church could be restored. And you know what? <laughs> we have seen a lot of restoration. And I don't know if every single one will get restored, but I'm going to pray it. And your marriage might be beyond what you think is restoration. But last night, last night, I was in church and this couple uh, came to church and they have just walked through something really hard. And they were sharing that with me. And God, they're working on restoration. And yeah. let me tell you, their story, it looked hopeless. It really Impossible. Did. It really did. But God is doing such a work. And I told them, I said, keep going. It's going to be hard, but keep going. So if you're discouraged, I hope that that brings encouragement to yeah, you, not have, judgment. I know this teaching has been so good, but I wanted to pause for a second because I want to connect with you. Go to MikeSignorelli.com. Tell me your story. Check out all these resources I have available for you. And would you consider financially partnering? It's because people say, I'm going to join my finances with this podcast that we're able to reach so many people around the world. And I'll tell you this, we are good soil to sow into. So I'll see you at MikeSignorelli.com and thank you so much for your financial gift. Okay, let's jump back in. We have such great faith for the couples of our church. And here's the thing I wanna encourage you with. It's impossible to read the Bible and see Saul, the Christian killer, turned into Paul, the apostle, and still think that God cannot do that with your husband. Yeah. It's impossible to see God use the harlot, the prostitute in the lineage of Jesus and think that your wife can't be used by God in a great mm -hmm. way and change. You can't read the Bible and then say, but my situation's the exemption to the rule. Yeah. Matter of fact, your situation proves the faithfulness of God. Your situation proves how good God is. That's what we're living out in front of you right now. Now, listen, I know that Julie just spent the last hour, you know, bashing me. <laughs> she told you about how bad I was. I but, but, you know, all joking aside, you know, really there was a lot of things in this. This is how sneaky it can be. Yeah. My stuff was toxic, uh, you know, anger, throwing plates. Toxic you know, uh, my, my, my problem was all that, but see, Julie's problem was not understanding what it was like being married to somebody who went through trauma in their past. Yeah. And our marriage counselor was so good because he looked at Julie and said, yeah, Mike's wrong. Mike's drinking, cussing, throwing stuff, breaking stuff, but you'll never know the pain that he's encountered having multiple abusive stepdads. And the, he actually used this phrase. He's actually passed on. He was a legendary pastor in our region, and he's passed on. What a legacy. Mm -hmm. But he said, imagine a train just drove through Mike's chest 
and left a gaping hole where his heart was supposed to be. That's what it's like to be fatherless over and over and over again for a male. And when he said that, I started to break down. And it was the first time I felt seen and I felt understood. Because behind all that rage and anger was a broken little boy that nobody had ever dealt with. And so what happened was Julie was saying things. She was triggering me. Now, it doesn't mean that what I did was right. It just made it understandable. And so some of the things women, and I want you to hear me say this, some of the things you're doing and saying are triggering your husband. And it doesn't justify how he reacts to it, but it's going to help you understand that if you keep doing what you're doing and saying what you're saying, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. And some of y'all would get kicked out of a Walmart if you said to the cashier what you said to your spouse. Yeah, because your husband is your husband is wired for respect Mm -hmm. and you respect your pastor more than your husband. You respect the guy that's, uh, you know, like you said, the grocery, the guy who's scanning your groceries more than your husband and your husband's watching Mm -hmm. and saying, wow, like, and you're talking good about celebrities. You're talking good about everybody but them. Or your pastor or your boss or whatever. And it creates a jealousy and it feels more anger. And, yeah. you know, it's like somebody, we talked about this last week. Um, someone's got to step up and say, I'm going to do the right thing first. And so, yeah, maybe you were the one that was betrayed. Maybe you were the one that was cheated on, cussed out, you know, told this, that, the other, you know, um, lied to, whatever. It's like, listen, if you want it to work, you got to ditch the scorecard. Like, you got to throw it away because you got to rip up the list. Yeah. And if you want restoration and again, if you have biblical right and you chose to leave, okay, fine. But if you choose to stay, you have to really Never bring up the past. You know, you got to deal with it. If you are, you better deal with it in therapy where you have a mediator. And um, just know that that if you're for your marriage, let me tell you, God is for your marriage. That's it. Your so, children are for your marriage. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, we've got a little bit more that we're going to share with you in this broadcast. I know that this has helped you so much. And I also know it's hard. And some of you don't have Christian counselors or even pastors to talk to, which is why we keep showing up over and over and over again to minister to you multiple times a week live, including Sunday services and all that. So here's what I want to do. We're going to actually do a rapid fire Q&A right now. And I am so excited to to deal with your questions in real time. And, And listen, stick around. Don't click off this teaching because someone else's question is probably your question too. So I want you to drop a comment right now with your question. One of our favorite things to do is reply to as many comments as possible. And we, our team is here and we're here for you. So I want to, I want to basically do this. Okay. The first question we got, this is a great question. I'm going to, I'm going to tackle this quickly. So start putting your questions in the chat now, like light it up. First question is, does God honor common law marriage? I want to say this. God honors covenant. When we do a ceremony, it's more than just words. It's words that produce covenant. What is covenant? Covenant is deeper than a contract. Covenant is actually a lifelong commitment. And so I would encourage you, if you're living together, you need to go do the ceremony. And why do I say that? Because living together is not the same as being married. And today, in today's day and age, and I'll tell you this, here's a challenge. If you're living with somebody and you're acting like you're married and you think that's the same as marriage, go to them and say, hey, why don't we go to the justice of the peace and do the ceremony 
and you'll find out the reservations and the escape hatches and the plan Bs that they have deep down in their heart. Mm -hmm. Because if they were all in, they would go all in. So do not. And here's the last thing I'll say, because we pastor in New York City and Long Island where it's incredibly expensive. Stop making money the issue. That's stupid. It's like you moved in together. You still don't have a budget. You're still not managing your money the right way. And then you'll say, well, I didn't get married because I'm worried about money. That's a lie. Go to the justice of the peace. Go to your pastor. Get a quick ceremony. And then when you do figure out your finances, do a bigger one for your vow renewal. Quit playing games with covenant because God honors covenant. So let's go. Let's keep going. Uh, I love this question. I'm going to let Julie tackle this one. Which one? What if the person um, that that you're married to is a Christian narcissist? <laughs> and y'all know that there's Christian narcissists everywhere. I mean, we, yeah. we well, let's not name names, <laughs> but we know some pastors right now that need to sit down instead of, okay, I won't go there. Like, so, uh, but what you're married to a Christian narcissist. What do you do? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I feel like I was married to one at some point. Uh, definitely tendencies for sure. And I think like, you know, I think a lot of people throw that word around, you know, oh, they're nurses. Like, okay, are you oversimplifying it or are they really? Right. Um, I would say if you're going to use that word and you're serious, like have they went to counseling? Have have they been given that like title or tendency, you know? And so I would say stop throwing that word around, number one. Like the real like definition, there are people who have narcissistic tendencies and there's people who are narcissists. And so I just want to give that differentiation differentiation, I guess yeah. that's a word. Um, is it and if clinical, you are, psychologically yeah, like, confirmed, or did you just read is a blog? Is it wounds? Is it trauma? Is it, you know, is this something you pulled up on TikTok? Like, what is it? You know, so I want to give some depth to that word because I feel like especially Christians throw that word around and it's very damaging um, if it isn't true. So um, I'll hand that out. Or does he struggle with pride? You know, and I would say all men and women struggle with pride. Everybody. And so, um, you know, Saul was a narcissist and David as a husband probably did some things that, you know, could be interpreted that way. So, uh, you know, if you read about how many wives and things, come on, don't tell me that wasn't messy. Like there's no way. So, uh, I will just say that if you feel like you are married to one, a man who love, you know, calls himself a Christian, um, you have to trust that the whole you calling him that in an argument is not going to set him free. You have to fight the spirit with an opposite spirit. So if you want to, you know, if it's again, as long as it's safe, if you feel like you can hang in there, um, can you fight that narcissistic spirit with a spirit of humility, humbleness, grace, peace? Um, you know, can you usually narcissists deal with a lot of, uh, in, like they actually feel the opposite of how they act. Insecure. Insecure, weak, you know, Fearful. struggling. Yes. So I would say ask the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit to start speaking to them on those issues. Because here's the thing, ladies, you telling your spouse in an argument what they need to do, they will never do those things. <laughs> you have to talk about it in counseling with a mediator if you're able to do that or you know get in a marriage connect group those are absolutely free please join them and uh, really get with people who are for your marriage to help you kind of navigate some of those things 
Yeah. Um, so Julie mentioned a connect group. You guys probably don't know how to join yeah. one. You go to the V1 Church mobile app. You can sign up for a marriage group. It's a small group, and you can meet other couples yeah. to help get free. Now, I want to do emphasis on lightning round. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do these questions faster now because there's so many Fight coming in. Fight it in prayer. There you go. Yeah. Fight a spirit with an opposite spirit. If you tell your husband you're prideful, he's going to act more prideful. If you tell your husband, you know what I've always loved yeah. about you? You're so gentle. You're so kind. I know right now you're a little out of character, but I know the real you is gentle and kind, and maybe you're going through something. See how I just said the same thing two different ways, but it's going to get two different reactions. Yeah. Now, I want to answer a question fast. Now, this person said yeah. this question's for Julie. Cheyenne says, what if he doesn't seem physically attracted to me more? Now, I just, I want to answer that question first because like you have a man here to answer that question. And Cheyenne, I'm assuming you're married to a man. So I want to speak from a man's perspective first, uh, even though you asked for Julie, because it's going to help you understand. Okay, let me just do this as quick as possible. Number one, men are not only attracted to physical appearance, although they are primarily visual. And I remember there's this wisdom key I learned is the most powerful sex organ you have is not between your legs. It's between your ears. It's your brain. Because a man is actually able to even have an orgasm in a dream in their sleep, which means that their brain is that powerful. So if you're not mentally and emotionally connecting with your man, that will affect the physical. Okay. Number two If your man is addicted to pornography, he may be experiencing pornography-induced erectile dysfunction, meaning that they have another relief, another release rather, that is affecting their relationship with you. And you've got and you've got to know that. And then number three, and I'm gonna say this brutal because Julie can't say this, because men are physically attracted and they're visual, you may have to serve your husband in a way that you look like when you looked when he was attracted to you. And I know people say, I know, but You're I have this issue and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I know I'm going to get hate issue. But listen, guys, I just lost almost 30 pounds right in front of you in the last six to eight weeks. I want you to go back and look yeah. at my videos. Like, because the truth is I had to be like, you know what? As I get older, I've got to change my diet, whatever. Now, Julie, yeah. same thing. And I, this is why I want to hand it to you. When Julie, Julie was so depressed, so anxiety ridden, when I was being toxic over 10 years ago, she had her first kid, which is Bella, and she gained over a hundred pounds. And I was not attracted to her in that season because I was like, man, this is nothing it was really like probably more my attitude than the way I looked, but, but it was kind of like both. It was, it was like, like, she was super mad together. at me saying the wrong things, but then insecure. she physically was like, she had gained over a hundred pounds. And I was like, wow. And we were like in our early twenties. So how did you deal with with that season? Well, I guess my question is, has he said that to you or is it something you're internalizing? Because sometimes, um, you know, some men, they they like what they like, you know, like what might be attracted, attractive to you may not be That's a, it. attractive to you. And I, I want to qualify because so, I'm going to get hate mail. I did say, and I know she's poking me under to tell me to stop and let her talk, but I have to throw this out there because I was so intentional with how I worded it. Go back and look how you looked when he was attracted to you. That's what I said. Yeah, or as. Like, think about that. So, like, however you looked when things were right, maybe you've gotten so far from that person that that's created an issue. And I'll be honest. So I'm not hating on anybody shapes. (laughs) Sometimes after you have kids, though, it's it's just harder. I get it. I have two kids. I understand. Um, And 
Yeah. So I don't want to make it something it isn't. But for your spouse, it might be insecurity. Like it might be your insecurity. So having a conversation like, hey, is that this is how I feel? Is this true? Like open up the communication. And then if you ask the question, you have to brace yourself for the answer. And then in that case, we have to look at like I was ready for Mike to make some changes with his body. So, I mean, I have no shame in saying that. And that's when you asked me, I answered it honestly. And um, and then pa- I've heard Pastor Shannon O'Dell preach on this. His wife came to him with concerns and he changed the way that he our body is not our own. When you marry, you're one. And so if there's things like, you know, hey, honey, I, I wish you'd get more tattoos. Well, that's something that you got to talk about as a couple or, hey, I wish you'd wear this or, hey, I don't like it when you look like this or whatever that we have to be open enough to have those conversations. And I know, the you know, TikTok community or whatever is going to be like toxic Christianity. What? Hey, listen, call it whatever you want. But when you marry, you're one. Yeah. Your body's not your own. And you guys got to talk about it and get on the same page. So for us, we needed to make changes uh, for you. You might have to open up you know, for some people, they they want you to gain weight. For some people, they want you to not be so uptight. So it's different for everybody. Well, we are coming to the end of yet another incredible time together. Every Monday, every Wednesday and Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, I am posting a new podcast so that you can be equipped and learn and grow. And you know, if you got this far, you may want additional mentorship and you may want to connect with me on a deeper level, which is why I have the Breakthrough Community. If you visit MikeSignorelli.com or BreakthroughTeaching.com, you can become a monthly financial partner for $27 a month or $297 for the entire year, you can come into the Breakthrough Community. We do monthly Zooms. Yes, monthly Zooms. It's wild. People from all over the world are there, including prophetic seminars and teachings that literally are banned on other platforms. All of it's waiting for you, including a private Facebook group with all of the other Breakthrough Community members. So again, go to MikeSignorelli.com or BreakthroughTeaching.com and become a monthly partner. I can't wait to see you there and I will see you in the next podcast episode.